Welcome to Val FB Stuttgart Americana, an American-based English language Val FB Stuttgart fan podcast where our views are unofficial, uninformed, and often unprepared. Here we are for episode 33. We're going to wrap up our holiday Hinrunda review, and we're going to look at the future as well. Joining me today, um, you really, uh, Rob, appreciated last time when I mentioned you were from Wisconsin. All the way from Wisconsin <laughs> is Rob. Rob, uh, how are we feeling today? My back hurts. Other than that, I'm good. I'm well, on you're... time today. On time today. <laughs> you're sure, yeah, your back's gonna hurt from carrying the show today, too. I think so. <laughs> so we'll thanks see for what we can do there. Thanks for bringing your expertise today. Uh, what we want to do is uh, we've got a match coming up against uh, Furt, but we also want to kind of wrap up our holiday review. We interviewed a number of people over the course of the last two weeks in the states to uh, kind of see what they thought about you know, Stuttgart's first half of the season and their thoughts going into the second half. So as we kind of bring all of this together, the, the grades that everybody gave, the report cards, the MVPs and all that stuff, why don't we do in part one today, just kind of a little um, consensus and summary of all that. So as we start off the report cards, we started with the defense and the class average was a C, Rob. So everybody who kind of put in their grades, I actually give it a C minus uh, a little bit. Um, if C... I think that's pretty fair. And if I had been here for that part, that's probably where <laughs> I'd have been around. <laughs> well, yeah, I was doing it based on, so if C is average and that's your average player, your average, whatever. Uh, I just think the defense is, they've been maligned, you know, and there's some things uh, that maybe is not their fault, but I kind of agree with what a lot of people said is that uh, the defense maybe should get a little bit of a higher grade, but I'm a little disappointed in the goalkeeping, you know, to be honest. And that kind of brought it down a little bit for me. Uh, so the class average that everybody agreed on was a C. I had a C minus. Seems like you had a C minus um, as well. Their midfield was, what do you guess there? Midfield overall? I would think that's got to be pretty similar. C, C minus D, somewhere yeah. around there. Came out to a C as well. And that was my grade uh, for the, the midfield too, was a solid C. Um, it's just so much of this team depends on you know how well Endo plays, Mangala plays, and then you also have Sosa and Massimo on the sides. Are they midfielders? Are they defenders? I, I actually, I gave him a B minus on this one. I, I was thinking about what you and Matt said last, last week about uh, how the, he's kind of holding the team together. There are some things, you know, substitution patterns that we kind of scratch our head at. But if C is average, C plus B minus is a little bit above average. I mean, we've had some managers in the past where when things have gone bad, it's gone bad pretty quickly. And I think, you know, Monrad, yeah, somebody... so me holding it together a little oh, bit you mentioned lukai right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, in, the, in the previews right and that was that was uh that was quick <laughs> right yeah that was four I games like, in and out. i love the stability he's giving us the results may not be the best but i honestly don't think you can grade him so far on this fairly on this season itself with the injury problems we've had so yeah. you know i think that's he's doing the best he can with what he's given and we're in the middle of that relegation fun packs, right? We're not, <laughs> we're not in first position. So right. I think it's a fair grade. Yeah. Yeah. The overall grade everybody gave him was a C plus as uh, he got the highest grade of any of the offense defense midfield right there. So it seems like most of us are on the same page uh, with, with Pellegrino and how, you know, how he's doing a pretty solid job, you know, all things considered, like you said, MVP, uh, we pulled everybody here, unsurprisingly, the offensive MVP. I wonder who that might be. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, the same guy who was the defensive MVP was Dino Mavropanos. So he was also the player of the year uh, based on all of our votes. I had, this is, you'll probably disagree with me on this one, and I'm not sure how I actually feel about this, but the MVP that I put for the offense, he only played 10 games, was Omar Marmouche. Now hear me out on this. Um, if you... Look, just from a statistical standpoint, he has, I think, two goals and three assists. So of, of all the players, I think he's he's contributed the most offensively from a tangible statistical standpoint. Um, there are matches where you're like, Omar, what are you doing? Uh, where, he, where he seems to disappear. But I hesitate to think where the club would be without him. <laughs> he's one of the few that takes the ball, of the few that have been playing consistently. Mm -hmm. that will run at defenders and try to make something happen. Mm -hmm. I think part of our big problem on the offense right now with the people that are out is that there's a lot of hesitancy. Hesitancy. Well, there's a tough word, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I'm not to, editing that out either. <laughs> <laughs> to go forward and to actually take risks mm -hmm. in the offensive zone. There's a lot of 
wanting to keep possession and, and, you know, turning around and passing the ball backwards, which isn't a problem if you have somebody eventually mm-hmm. that can take that risk and, and, and push it to the goal score or, you know, put that cross in. And we see a lot of hesitancy, hesitancy, cheese. I'm not saying that word again. <laughs> we see a lot of people unwilling to go forward. <laughs> hey, save. <laughs> so yeah. he, he's one of the few that actually runs at the defenders and makes stuff happen. I think yeah. when you see Furich back in, you see Kalajic back in, you see mm-hmm. Silas back in, we start to get that back. But we haven't had those guys. So I, yeah, I, was, I have no problem with that. I, I was almost going to go with Borna uh, Sosa too. I, I was looking up his stats. So he's got three assists on the year. Did you know or did you remember that all of those assists were in the same game? No, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was uh, the first game, uh, match one. That's it. But I think to what you and Matt said a couple uh, times ago is that there's so much of this this team's offense that goes through him and down that side that right. missing him is kind of a big uh, big deal there. Um, yeah, it's huge. And, and getting folks back in, I think, will make a big difference for us, hopefully. Yeah. Although- you know, as we're going to talk about, it's not happening yet. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> as for defensive MVP, I wanted to go with Toro Endo. Um, I think, though, that the crowd agreed, you know, it was actually split. It was Dino, Ito, and Anton. So not surprisingly, defensive MVP was one of our center backs there. But the player of the year was pretty easy. It was Dino Mavropanos, you know, 15 games, four goals for us. Do you, you know what's interesting, though, from the kicker grade? So kicker is that German website that grades all the players. Do you want to guess as to which Stuttgart player has the highest player statistically for Stuttgart? I would think it, it's, it's probably not one of the center backs, given that your line of questioning here, right? It's going <laughs> to be somebody else. It's a little uh, surprising, yeah. Isn't somebody like Endo? It's Florian Mueller. Really? That's it, really surprising. Yeah, then. Endo's rated at a 3.76. Sosa's a 3.6, to put it in perspective. Omar huh. is a 3.9. Um, I don't know the rest of the guys, but Mueller's a 3.2. He's considered the uh, statistically the highest-rated player you know, for Stuttgart right now. I would have not guessed that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, which makes you question the data a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so but maybe it makes sense. I mean, he's also like the 15th-rated goalie in the Bundesliga which isn't great, but this team is the 16th greatest team in the Bundesliga. So Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. The match of the season that everybody seemed to concur with was either it was a tie between Furt and between Hoffenheim. Uh, Furt, you know, the opening match where we looked amazing. We didn't realize what Furt was. And then Hoffenheim <laughs> was a nice win to kind of get back. My my match was actually the Mainz match. Um, they had had four losses in a row prior to that match. They came out it was also my moment of the year because uh, it was the first match that Silas was. That's when Silas came back, yeah, yeah. 85th minute, the crowd reaction uh, during that moment and then after that moment was fantastic. Um, so it, to me, that was the match and the moment of the year was uh, the Mainz one, kind of broke up a losing streak and got Silas back there. Um, and the Xmas gift everybody wants was exactly the same thing. It was health. <laughs> <laughs> there's, <Yeah>. no, <laughs> there's no big uh, big surprise there. I'm going to be with, uh, with agreement on everybody. Uh, with that one there maybe the gift should have been everybody gets corona quickly at the same time so we cannot have it all impact us oh my gosh yeah and we'll get into that in part two how it's just never going away yeah just like one guy at a time another guy at a time and all that stuff um the match that most people were looking forward to was kind of all over the board there for me it's the first match um it's it's the first match of the second half because i think a win here could go a long way to settle a lot of things down um, but it's also the Cologne match, which is the very end of the season. So, <laughs> you know, I hope it doesn't come down to those one of those two, um, or especially that one at the end. But those, uh, uh, I would hope that we're uh, we're settled <laughs> before yeah. that happens. That yeah. last day of the season style. Well, it makes for good drama. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been drama filled enough the last five seasons of bouncing up and down, right? Let's let's have it settled and be be comfortable. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice to be able to kind of uh, take that game for granted a little bit. Yeah, right. uh, have it be that vacation mode style. You know, exams are done. You're still in school, but you're not really doing anything. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're playing all the kids from the U21 team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the most important player was kind of all over the board, but not surprising. It was tied among three guys. Any guesses as to which? I think two um, are pretty easy. Yeah, 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 so that's going to be people getting healthy. So it's going to be Silas and uh, going to be uh, Kalajic. That's two. Yep. And 
Maybe it's still Marvel Panels for the third one. It was actually a guy that you mentioned last podcast was Sosa. Is getting oh, Sosa, yeah. Silas, and, yeah. and Sasha back. Clearly, clearly my thoughts are the same. <laughs> you don't even listen to yourself. <laughs> no, that's the worst part. You listen to everybody else talk. You don't listen to yourself talk. <laughs> <I know. laughs> the surprise player of the second half, we had the most votes were for Furich. What do you think of that? I think that's reasonable. I think he just needs to be healthy more. He did show some a lot of promise. And like I said, he was one of the few guys that was running at the D and, and making some of that forward football terms forward progress. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. he was he was uh, he was pretty decent when he was in. So hopefully he can stay healthy and, and be around to give another option up top besides just the you know Sasha to Kalajic. Right. <laughs> My, my surprise player, it was maybe is a bit of a surprise, but I, if they were going to somebody who hasn't made a t- big impact yet, who's on the roster, who could make a big impact going forward, I'm going to go with, he's a bit maligned right now because of his decision to leave the club at the end of his contract, but I'm going to go with Mark Oliver. Names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the guy with three names, Mark Oliver Kemp, right? Uh, Ron Robert Zeeler was going to be up there. But, uh, yeah, I'm going with Kemp. Um, I'll, I'll say this, when he plays well, the team does well. And yeah, I was thinking I about that. I was thinking about this the other day that uh, it's either you or Matt who has the comment, you know, the Kemp Thunderheader <laughs> to, to score <laughs> some goals. Say <laughs> what you will about the guy. Um, yeah. When we have crosses or free kicks or corner kicks into the box, he's a threat. And we haven't had that for a little bit. So I could definitely see a situation where he comes in and gets some playing time and gets a couple goals kind of out of nowhere. And that's just enough to keep us, keep us in the Bundesliga. Yeah, if he stays, I, I know there was rumors of him leaving uh, in, in the window. And how much longer does the window have to go? January thirty first. So we got oh, wow. January for it. Oh wow! So they're still yeah. So my surprise player could be a surprise player for Hertha pretty soon. So. Yeah, right. The January transfer window apparently is January. Oh, <laughs> so that's 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 very German too, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Efficiency. <laughs> All right. And table position. If you add up what all of us said about the table position, I'm actually the most negative guy here. I'm predicting 16th place on the table in a dramatic playoff situation. But if you add up everybody's votes, 12th place on the table is what we all came up with. And I would is the average. That's surprisingly optimistic. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of us that had like um, somewhere between 10 to 13. And then um, I'm the one who kind of brought it down a little bit, but yeah, 12th, uh, 12th on the table wouldn't be too bad. I'd take that in a second. No, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. But let's move on to uh, to part two here, our Rook Runda. How did you do on that? I say that yeah, okay? Close enough. <laughs> I try not to hesitate <laughs> while I said it. <laughs> Preview. All right, so I'm going to throw out some gems of knowledge to you, Rob, and let's see if there's anything we can talk about. So as we move into the second half of the season, stats for Stuttgart right now. Let's see if any, any of this stuff kind of sticks out. So we're 16th on the table. We've got four wins and eight losses. We've got a minus nine goal diff. And based on goals, we've got the 12th best offense. We've got the 14th best defense. Um, the last 15 possible points, we, we pick up seven points, which isn't bad. Uh, but the previous two matches was that blowout to Bayern and that disappointing loss to Clone. This is a stat that I think is just kind of wild, is that Stuttgart has used 31 players this year over 17 matches and that is by far the most in the Bundesliga so of all those numbers I just threw out at you as to what's gotten us to this point which one of those sticks out to you the most the 13 player or the 31 players is crazy mm-hmm. I don't know and you know I follow primarily because I don't watch the rest of the league as much as you know I, I maybe could but is everybody else not having the corona injury problems we're having and then the rotation isn't that heavy is that why we're so far up there or think, is, you know, yeah. th- those numbers similar, right? It's, or are we it, just more willing to rotate? I think it's interesting you say, I think there's part of it is a club philosophy where we've got these youth kids, but I think it's kicker just started to publish their Corona ticker. And so what it is, it's their <laughs> daily update and they update it by the hour uh, with any, when any news breaks of teams and clubs and players from the Zweite League up to the Bundesliga who have had guys knocked out for Corona. And they actually have a chart, yeah. a table, similar to the, the Bundesliga table as to who has the most guys out. Who's the worst? <laughs> yeah. And right now I think Bayern is tops with four guys out. And I think there's two other clubs that have four guys out and we're one of them um, currently with uh, the Corona thing. So 
we may not be the number one club that's being hit by coronavirus, but I think we're similar. Do you remember last year, Hoffenheim, how Hoffenheim was the club that was crushed by Yeah, Corona. they hit it for quite a while. Yep. And I do remember that. They were struggling. Uh, they were treading water. They at one point had to play, I think, seven or eight youth players in some match, or at least they were on the roster um, because they had so many guys out. And unfortunately, I think, I think that's us this year. And yeah, that's what it feels like. I mean, it feels like we, I don't think there has been one game this year where we've had less than like three people out for injury or Corona reasons, right? right. It's, it's been just absolutely bad this year uh, of, of us being affected by it. It sucks. And it's really frustrating not to see some of like the offensive. And it just seems like it's been affecting the offense more than it has the defense for some reason. Right. Although that has turned itself around apparently too. So yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's the thing. We were all frustrated at the end of the first half of the season, but we went into the winter break thinking one simple thing, health, healthy wise, yeah. everybody's coming back. See loss is coming back. Kalajic is coming back. Everybody's coming back. And then funk. Nope. No, that's not <laughs> that's the right. case. See loss. Isn't coming back. Do you know member Panos is a question mark right yep. now. And you're just like, come on, give us. And that's a scary thing. Cause you and I have been through two relegations over the last five or six years. And when things start to go wrong, it they just snowballs, balls. balls. Yeah. right? And, well, and that's and, where you talk about Robert Parnas's grade, right? Mm-hmm. That's where his grade for the you know the first part of the season. That's where it makes sense to give him that higher grade because he has kept it together through all this crap right. that, that the clubs had to go through. So, uh, keep earning the grade, I guess, and, <laughs> and keep it up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Speaking of you know Dino and some of the other players, so let's move on to that. So players that are in. For the first match, we've got Kalijic who is in. We've got Furich who is in. It looks like Dino is going to be in. He's got to get one more negative test, and then he'll be able to play. But players who are out, uh, Marmouche is out. He's actually out because he's playing for Egypt in the Africa Cup of Nations, uh, which is the next day after the first match. Uh, yep. Klimowitz is out because of COVID. Uh, Silas is out because of COVID. And then uh, Wahid Fahir is out because of COVID. So yep, that news was just today. So yeah. So all the ins and outs there, any of that stuff. I'm excited to see Sasha back. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, he's been out for quite a while. Sasha back, Sosa is is in and and uh back up top. Maybe the offense can actually, you know, recreate some of that five one magic. <laughs> uh, we can push the goal differential up a little more even because that's uh, I will I want to throw back to the stats real quick before we move on there the goal differential is the other one that's big for us right we're we're sitting at negative nine all of the other teams that are that are in that trouble area are, are below us besides Villafield on on differentials so if we can just keep games close which the D has done really good at doing mm-hmm. goal differential I have a feeling is going to be deciding some of those places at the end of the year and, and we're we're in, we're set up decently for that compared to the rest of the teams around us. So yeah, it, it, you said it last podcast. Aside yep. from the Bayern match, yeah, everything we else we haven't had a, a blowout bad game. Yeah. yeah, and if if you look at yeah, I don't have the stuff in front of me, but of the bottom nine teams, our goal diff is definitely one of the best. The only one better is Billafield. Right, and and so I I agree with you is, and considering the amount of offensive struggles that we've had, I mean, you got to think knock on wood that things are going to start to even out a little bit, you know, in, in that regard too. You could hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need so much wood. It's so much, yeah. so much knocking. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I hope, I hope to see that's that even itself out. And, you know, again, it's so close table wise that I do think that there's going to be some places that are decided on that, whether it's, you know, the difference between 16th and 15th, which it is right now, right. That, where mm-hmm. Augsburg's ahead of us. I think it goes to head-to-head after the goal differential, right? And Augsburg beat us. So that's why they're, oh, they're okay, 15th, okay. whether we're 16th. And that would make right. sense to me. I'm not sure if that's the exact case. We're both sitting on negative nine. So, yeah, uh, hopefully even on points. It doesn't or come no, down to that. Points. They got one more than we do. But it, I think they will. I think we'll see that that break some spots. Uh, yeah. And it's good that we're where we are. So, yeah. the D keeps up low-scoring games because we haven't had many goals scored against us. Keeps that low-scoring game going keeps if the offense can get back we'll be in a much better spot <laughs> for sure yeah for, for me the the i mean i'm disappointed because i want to see uh the fahir kid play i, right. I just I'm, I'm really intrigued by him and i want to see him play um it's obviously disappointing that silas will not be able there i just yeah, got this idea that if sosa 
and Sasha are back, that the two main things that we do pretty well, crossing and then doing something with the ball in the box with Kalijic, is going to lead to some positive results. So it, as long as and we can have those two, and then like you said with Dino, hopefully he's back, I think we'll be knock on wood okay. It feels um, like we're getting our target man back. Like we're getting that, like Modest in the game against us. Right. Right. <laughs> but right. He, he makes that, that header out of happen out of thin air. <laughs> it was crazy yeah. looking at some of the pictures on that. Is it the number of sugar players that were defending him or not defending him, depending on how you looked at it. But he was surrounded by by guys with a brew string around him. And like you said, he's just having this this season of rebirth. And well, he he's, he's he's surrounded by defenders. He's leaning the wrong direction to get power on it. <laughs> now he's he's leaning back upfield, which it, you shouldn't be generating power off of it from there. And, and he still manages to get it in. And that's been his specialty all yeah. all year long is get on the end of things and, and get it done. And that's what Kalajic had did, done for us in the in the last couple of years. So. Hopefully we, we see that return and, you know, everybody's going to be expecting it, obviously, right? right? Yeah. So that's where having someone like Furich or Mamouche up there with him to be able to make some runs and, and open up space is, is important. So I'm hoping we get some of that offensive magic back that, you know, we, we've had in the last, last year or so right uh, before everyone was broken. <laughs> let me, yeah. Speaking of broken and, and Clyde, let me ask you this. How much do you think he's actually going to play? On Saturday, I don't know. I think uh, if if Silas is out, like you said, Mamouche is out. What choice do we have, really? Mm-hmm. To be honest, Can, do you put him in and, and have him play a full ninety or not? I don't know. Or is it going to be a exact night sixtieth minute game plan? Matarazzo decided that's what he was doing at the beginning, no matter what we are <laughs> contextually happening. Right, sixtieth minute he's going in. I, I don't know. I I don't know how healthy he is. Maybe. You know, was he close to ready to come back before the break? So the break has given him that opportunity to get back into fitness anyways. Mm-hmm. And he's not really on, like, this is the first game back. If he, you know, if it would have been the beginning of the break, could he have come back? I don't know. So we'll, we'll, we'll see when, I don't know, when's next game? Sunday, Saturday? Sunday, Saturday. Or this week? Yeah, Saturday, uh, 9.30 EST. I think uh, 8.30 cow time, as you like to call yep. it. Yep, so. yep, yep. <laughs> the iPad will be up uh, up and watching while yeah. some breakfast. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully he's back. And uh, I, I got a feeling that we're going to see Al-Gadoui start, and then we'll see Kalajic come in around the 60th minute. Um, I just wish he would click. He feels like a guy that – he feels like a guy that could be um, – I'm drawing a blank. Uh, he could be like Tarota, Tarota right? Mm-hmm. He could be similar to him up front and just isn't successful in the first Bundesliga for whatever reason. He has right. like that same build. Mm-hmm. He's just never clicked in the way that Toroda did in, in his life at Bundesliga. Yeah. So I do have some random players that, so the teams around us have kind of tried to strengthen their roster through some signings over the winter, uh, winter break. So the, uh, the big news in America is Ricardo Pepe left, was it FC Dallas to go to yep. Augsburg? Uh, Kemp might be staying with Stuttgart. So that would kind of strengthen us a little bit. Uh, we've got injury injured players coming back. So you mentioned this last podcast that that's kind of like getting new signings. Uh, Hertha just signed a defender, uh, Bjorkman. And uh, the big news kind of locally for us anyway, is that Gonzalo Castro was with Sugar last year, signed with Armenia Bielefeld. Um, of those storylines, it's kind of a two-part question. So pick everyone you kind of want is which team do you think strengthened itself the most uh, which storyline is the most interesting? I mean, there's a lot to unpack uh, there. Most interesting as as an Stuttgart Americana podcast is obviously the Pepe signing. I'm glad to see he's going overseas uh, and, and is going to be put into what is basically a pressure cooker situation immediately for the kid, right? Right. You know, he's he came up with the last couple of uh, international windows here for the U S and, and really kind of solidified himself as the top striker for the U S national team. If you ask me, hmm. there, there's nobody else out there that's delivered as consistently as he has over the last few windows. So, you know, he's, he's shown that he can do it on, on the, the CONCACAF stage. Now, can he do it uh, within one of the more, you know, the more skilled leagues of, of the world in the Bundesliga? 
And he's going to be, he's the record signing for Augsburg, I believe I read this morning, right? 20 million uh, euros or dollars. I don't know what, 20 million somethings was what his cost was. (laughs) I don't know what. I don't know which uh, which which monetary unit they decided to post that in. I believe it was careful. yeah Bitcoin or something like that. <laughs> sure, but uh, he he's he's their big signing. He's going to be up top right away, and and as much as I want to see Americans succeed, and that's usually the reason I watch other teams in the Bundesliga. It's the only reason I watch Premier League games. You know, is for is to follow the U.S. guys when they're over there. I hope he does well, but at the same time, they're a direct rival for us from a from a relegation standpoint. So I hope he does well, but Augsburg loses all their games. <laughs> I'm shocked. I, I I mean, I know Augsburg just got an, a a pretty wealthy American investor. But I I can't pretend to tell you how that that operates or how that works, but they just signed a kid for 20 million euros. That's not the Augsburg you or I know. And no, that doesn't feel like them for sure. No, and I think that's what's blowing everybody away is one, they got what you said, probably the best American young talent. Two, they spent a boatload of money that they never have on this when all these other clubs are just hemorrhaging cash. And it, to me, that's. I, I'm curious to see, like, did they just blow all the cash they have on this one kid? Are they trying to, is this more of a marketing thing than it is? Yeah. Anything how, else? how much of that is a get our name in front of American fans and not only just American fans, but Mexican American fans, right? Pepe also crosses the border. He's a Mexican American from the South of Texas, I believe. Right. Mm. And uh, there was a lot of questioning whether he would play for Mexico or whether he'd play for the U S Oh, okay. And he was picking his national team. He was one of the dual nationals that, could have gone either way right he was courted by both teams hmm. so you know is part of that trying to you know two for one in your marketing terms right we we get a kid that uh, <laughs> that can play to the american side and he's certainly captured a lot of uh, captured a lot of attention in how he's played internationally and mm-hmm. you know he also has that mexican heritage too so do you do you try to you know figure out and pick up some fans in both countries because that yeah it's know. it's Stuttgart is, I think, famous for their lack of ability to market themselves. Uh, there's a number, there's a number of stories how they were one of the last clubs to pay their players and, and do stuff like that. And I wish you see some of the Bundesliga clubs try to dive into the American market um, more than others. Bayern has obviously done some trips over here. Dortmund has done some trips over here. Even Frankfurt came over. St. Pauli uh, came over one year and played some uh, friendlies in New York. It'd be awesome to see our club do that and see some other clubs. And I, I'm, I think this is a big marketing thing for them. I'm, I wish we did it, but, sure. but I, 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 I've been to two matches total in my life. So yeah, yeah it'd be nice to see one of the States. But yeah. <laughs> preseason tour, come on over here. That'd be yeah. great. I yeah. go wherever it was. <laughs> I think the one that's going to actually be the bigger signing is, and I, have a boy crush on Gonzalo Castro, but I, <laughs> I think Castro saying with Billfeld is going to do some good things for them. Um, he's a veteran presence. He's solid. He's not spectacular, but um, I, I know, you know, Matt and I have disagreements on Castro. <laughs> I'm really disappointed that they couldn't come to some agreement to keep him here. I think it probably just came down to money and, um, yeah. and the idea that we've got a ton of kids that play his position. So, you know, what's the point? Um, and I think Dadavi. Well, who, who does he replace? If you're looking at our general roster over the first half of the year, who who do you replace with him? I don't think it's Mangala. I don't think it's Endo. I think it would be something along the lines of a Forster or, um, I, I'm going to say Koulibaly, even though they play different positions. But one of those two guys or one guy that's kind of in front of Endo and Mangala, but a little bit behind whoever you know, Marmouche, whoever's playing up there. So that would have to be a a cool Bali or a forcer who's coming out, I think, and probably not cool Bali. Cause that's a different type of position. Now cool Bali is quick on the wing. Castro can't replace that anymore with the old man legs. I mean, the- right. <laughs> right. So no, I, I wouldn't mind Castro being around for the, the veteran, you know, approach thing. We are a super young team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, played up. It, my wife actually will joke how many times they mentioned the fact that Stuttgart's the youngest roster, because when you listen to the ESPN broadcast, that's like, yeah. Gotta be like in bold text, <laughs> highlighted, 
<laughs> on the top of the the guy that's doing the play by play and the analysis is no, it's because they say it at least five to ten times every single game. You know what? The youngest team in the Bundesliga, the young Gamora. It's like, okay, guys, it's fine. Get over it. <laughs> You've actually, I think I'm going to try and come up with the the counter, the Stuttgart uh, uh, kind of viewing bingo card. Klimowitz oh, that, that's right there then yeah yeah Klimowitz's <laughs> dad has played uh you've got the youngest yep. team in the league I mean it, there's a couple more bingo cards we could get out yeah, there and make, I think we could do that yeah make this work I did before we move on to the the matches I did like you were saying off the air when we were looking at the players that were signed that Jonas Bjorkman the Swedish tennis yeah. player had signed yeah, for her right, <laughs> right yeah I, I quickly googled because you got it in your notes here who the heck is Bjorkman I have no idea who he is and the first thing that comes up is a retired Swedish uh tennis guy but no, Solid. apparently there's a there's a 28 year old Swedish defender that uh, that just signed for them, and he's he's coming from the Swedish league. He hasn't played outside of it, from what I can tell. Yeah, if it's the right guy, is it Jesper Jesper Bjorkman? I don't know. I hear he's got a good serve and a good return. So we'll see. How, <laughs> we'll see. Right. Yeah, maybe give you some tips there. <laughs> Let's see how that goes. All right. Let's look at great. He has an amazing serve in volley. Yes. In our notes, I wrote down uh, the matches that we've got coming up. And we're definitely not going to go over all the matches, but are there any that kind of we've got three matches in January? We've got one, two, four in February. Then we've got three in March. Um, and everybody else can do the math going out there. Anything stand out to you as we kind of get ready to preview the FERT match, but as we look at all the matches that are out there? Well, I'm just going to say, so it's the easiest month, and what's, what's the month that sucks? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That way, right? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, January is going to be important. There's only three matches, but it's we got Firth, Freiburg, and Leipzig. Yeah. And, and those three are, you know, relatively close table-wise, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't feel like Leipzig should be down there. So that, yeah. I think it's going to be important just to make sure we we set the tone right, you know, mm-hmm. either get in there, win, hopefully against Perth, although it wouldn't be unusual for this team this year to manage uh, to not do that. Oh, but we can God. talk about that more later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think yeah. that's that's an important start the season off right month, right? I think you know? for, if we get four points in January, I think that's the, kind of the minimum you're hoping for there is that yeah. win against Perth. And it, it, this is how the season started. We had a match against the team we knew we should beat for. We had a match against the team we knew we should lose to Leipzig. Then we had a match against the team that we figured we were at eye level with Freiburg. And so it gave us a really good look at kind of really where the club was at. And we were able to blow out for. We lost pretty convincingly to Leipzig at the time. And then we had a close match, but a loss versus Freiburg. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer that we got to get off to a fast start. Um, especially well, you, look at, you look at who we played in the second two games, Leipzig and Freiburg. And if you were to look at that at the beginning of the season, who would you think is the more difficult game of those two, right? right? It's not the order they're in. I didn't realize <laughs> it. Just looking at the table on my other monitor here, Freiburg's actually in third. So it makes no sense. Yikes. So maybe maybe January isn't uh, isn't the easier month. I guess maybe I was I was misspoken there. The first game should be an easy game. We should mm-hmm. get through that. And then yeah, yeah, I think I think four points is a is a really reasonable amount to expect out of January. That, 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 that would be my hope for yeah. sure. I think I'm going to go with the uh, the month of February being the toughest one. Um, I think Frankfurt has found their form. Bayer has played well all season long, and Hoffenheim is really coming on strong. The one yeah. match where you think you're going to get some points for sure is probably Bochum, but Bochum is scary because they know what they need to do to survive. They're just going to bunker down and get a bunch of zero zero draws and they're gonna be happy with that 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 style i think hurts us more than any other style of of play going up against teams and i think it's why you see us when we play teams around us in the table yep not do well is because with nobody up front that can unlock a defense that parks the bus we struggle yeah right and that would be al gadui right now and he's just not god bless him he just doesn't have the skill level at this point, you know, to, to do that. And it was Sosa being out the last couple of matches and Massimo being out the last couple of matches. There's no way to cross it to him. So yep. what do you do there? Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm struggle. really worried. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the evidence is on the table right there. You have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, you find it, yourself in uh, you find yourself in the bottom of the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, then we go to March, and you've got Gladbach at Union Augsburg. So we only got three matches in the break. March <sighs> is an important one, I think. Those those three there, Gladbach's right by us. Augsburg is right by us, and Union, like you mentioned, is is shooting higher than they ought to be. So that is a month where we need to pick up points uh, mm -hmm. with the matches that are there. That one should be a month where we can get, you know, maybe look at getting six or seven points out of the month. I agree with you. That's a, that's a month of March where you're looking at, okay, uh, depending on how the first two months went, those are three teams at this point, as of today, that are at our level. I, I, I'm not yep. scared of any of those teams, even though Union's, you know, higher on the table. We seem to play well enough to get a point against Union. Same thing against Gladbach. Augsburg is that bugaboo team for whatever reason. I can't, I can't figure them out. Yeah. And then you've got, let's see, April, we've got one, two, three, four, five matches in April. It starts to get hot and heavy. We've got at Bielefeld, then Dortmund, Mainz, Hertha, and Wolfsburg. Boy, um, that's probably going to be the season. Yeah, I would think by the end of April, we know we we should have a really good idea of how it's going to end. Granted, there's only two matches. And, and you know, not one of taking things for advantage, but you, you know most likely the Bayern match is a no point. You're not winning any points out of there. So you've got one more chance once April is done to, to get three more points to, to save or to get yourself out of whatever position we, we happen to be in. Right. So April is definitely going to be a really important month. Uh, and it's got, there's some tough ones in there. The, the Dartman game, we never seem to, to do well against them. Uh, right. We seem to stick in the match, then it just breaks down and breaks down hard. Mm -hmm. Similar to what happens with Bayern, right? Right. But then you've got, then you've got the, you know, you start with Billafield. They're right there. That should be a game that isn't, that's a must win, right? Yeah. Six point swing against a direct relegation, you know, competitor. And you play Mainz. And Mainz and Berlin and Wolfsburg, which are all in that, they're all in that huddle of, of teams that that could swing either way, right? So, right. it's it's tight, it's crammed, and and you're gonna need to win or take points from those games. So, yeah, yeah. April's April's gonna be a fun month to watch. <laughs> it is, yeah, because May we wrap up with Bayern and Cologne, and like we both said, hopefully it doesn't come down to the last two weeks, because um, not that we can't beat Cologne, but. Boy, oh boy, having to go in and having to get a win. That's a tough way to uh that's a tough way to end the season there. But we're not we're not at the end of the season. We're at the <laughs> beginning of the season. So let's let's uh, move on to part three and get into our hot and heavy uh Groita foot review, which or preview, or if we're from the future, a review. I'm not sure which. Anyway, <laughs> uh these guys are 17th on the table. They've got one win and two draws, they've got a minus 36 goal differential. All time, Stuttgart leads 11 wins to six losses in this one. And the last three matches that we played over the last three years were two wins and one loss with that 5-1 win on match day number one where Endo scored. Some guy named Philip Clement, who I don't even know, <laughs> is still on the team, scored. Kemp scored. Al Gadui scored. Kemp scored again. Sosa had three assists. So those were the good old days. And that's the old Furt. Here's, here's what's kind of wild, Rob, is that – uh, Furt is actually straightened things out a little bit. They've got a win and a draw in their last five. Uh, they gave up 14 goals the previous three games. Then the three games before break, they only gave up three. So I think the big question for a Stuttgart supporter is which Furt is going to show up? Is it the one that got shelled by Leverkusen 7 to, I think, uh, 1? Or is it going to be the one that surprised uh, Union Berlin and got the win? I hope it's the one that gives up all the goals because we just had our goal differential a little bit more again too and make it look even better. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that scares me is that Furt said, you know what? It was fun playing that offensive brand of football that we're, we've been known for, but it is clearly not working. So let's actually try to uh, keep the ball out of our net. And they seem to have figured out how to play a little bit of defense the last three matches. Have they been parking the bus? Have you actually watched any of the matches? I watched a couple matches. Yeah. Yeah, they've yeah. definitely played, uh, pulled a little bit back, and um, they're doing the classics, Vita Liga, keep as many guys back as possible, and then try to counter um, sure, on the break. Sure. And that just so happens to be, I agree with you 100%, the number one formula to beat Stuttgart. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that is what hurts us more than anything when we, 
when we go into those uh, type of situations, those type of games that mm. we, we tend to struggle with that. We're, we're pushed up. We're, we're possessing the ball really well. Something stupid happens, a counter happens, and that's how we break down. Yeah, you can almost see the writing on the wall. Yeah. If this game unfortunately goes the way we don't want it to go, that's the way it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. There's going to be a breakaway of some sort, and one of our guys will get beaten. Yeah, so going into this one, I don't know what to expect. Um, any predictions on what you think the lineup's going to look like going into this one? How many more people are going to test for COVID? <laughs> In between now and Saturday. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> Russian roulette is basically, basically. My hope it. is that we could just have guys in all the positions that they're supposed to be playing, and somebody's not stuck playing somewhere weird because you have to at right. this point. Yeah, no, I, it, you know, we were talking about Sasha a little bit, right? Is he going to start uh, or not? I think if you you see more people go down, maybe he does start because you don't really have a choice. You know, you said Marmouche is out, right? He's in the. He's out uh, for the Cup of Nations, and he's gone till the ninth. He said. Well, the game or is, is on the ninth. Starts. Yeah, so I think yeah, he'll be back later. That's one of the interesting, interesting national, not national, international competitions. The the Cup of Nations, like it's not during a FIFA break, right? So right. the the people that play in that are out for a month usually. And there was I don't remember who it was, but it was someone in the Premier League was asked a question of you know would you go to this or something like that? It was almost like insulting to the guy and he was kind of pissed off about it. <laughs> Basically, would you ask somebody if they would go play at the Euros? Of course I'm going to go play for my national team. Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting that it, it's not in a FIFA break, but they, they, they do it. Uh, they do it during a, uh, during play every time they do it. I don't know if it's a two year competition or a four year, like the Euro. I'm not sure what its rotation is, but yeah. Yeah. He'll be out for, I think he'll be out for the whole month then because of that, if he's Ooh. going I didn't know that. Uh, that would yeah, not... he'll, he'll be out for a while uh, if that's the case, that's which no makes point. sense. I mean, right. why wouldn't you go play for your national team? That's 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 awesome. But no, yeah, it, actually, it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Congrats, <laughs> congrats to him for for that honor. Um, it is a huge bummer, you know, for us, especially if some of the guys are out or out past the first match, too. So, right. all right, well, let's look <sighs> match day prediction. So. The way that the predictions work is it, you and I were talking about this off the air and you're super confident about how you're going to yeah, do all yeah. this. <laughs> I understand exactly how these work. <laughs> that the sports books give the underdog a certain amount of goals. So in this particular case, Bert is getting half a goal. So if hey, the school. The hell? I, now that I know how this works, people are predicting first to actually win. So what's happening is, yeah, is that if you take Bert and the score ends 0-0, you end up winning if you were going to you know, bet some money on this. So for Stuttgart to win you this bet, if you took Stuttgart minus half a goal, they'd have to win one, nothing, two, nothing, two, one, something like that. Okay. So heart of hearts. If you're putting money down on this one, who are you taking for plus half a goal or Stuttgart minus half a goal? If I would take Stuttgart still, I think we still are able to to win, and I'm hoping, like I said, it's one where we can get some goals to to balance the goal differential a little bit more too. Yeah, I'll take Fafe. Yeah, I like I I think as we go back talking about a lineup situation a little bit. I mean, our back three look to be there. The, most indications are that Dino's going to be there. So you got Dino, you got Ito, you've got uh, Anton, you got Mueller, whatever. We, we've got the three guys that are always back there: Endo and Mangala. You know, if nothing happens between now and, and Saturday, they're there. Um, if I'm hoping Massimo is back, I was kind of really excited about how he was playing before he uh, had the ankle injury in the Hinrunda. So enforced or say what you will, the, the, my, my big point, I guess, is that we've got the makings of a lineup that has been together and yeah, they know totally how to agree. play together. And I think that could be enough by itself Um if we have somebody up top, whether it's al whether it's Kalijic, we have somebody up top that we can at least target and have some Sosa crosses into. I think we'll have a chance in that one. So I don't, know who, I don't know who mentioned it. Somebody on one of the other podcasts mentioned that Kulabali being up top and being kind of the focal point has he struggled at that when he's been the only guy up there. Mm-hmm. But when he gets people around him and he's not the only one up there, he does a lot better. Yeah. So hopefully some some more people up there can can help out in that way, and he can have other people to play around and play off of, which I think would would help him quite a bit. Yeah, I, it I, feels like he's trying to do too much sometimes, and and when he has to be the only guy doing stuff up front to be creative, it's a struggle. Yeah, he seems oppressed too. There's there's just some players that you can 
almost see it during their their the match or their body language that he's like he's mentally and emotionally pressing he gets try- frustrated too yeah yeah and there's yeah him and uh marmouche there's a couple times where you're like calm your inner nico gonzalez down yeah. right <laughs> you guys uh, need yeah. you're a yellow card away from oh you just got it okay yeah. <laughs> and then somewhere carazor is like guys i've been there not <laughs> you gotta- uh, his- that double yellow was quick <laughs> 30 some seconds i think it was pretty impressive all right let me ask you this we'll do this so we're, go- we're both gonna take shoe in this one Stuttgart right now is ranked 16th on the table. Furt is 18th. Let's do a little uh, higher or lower. By the end of the season, do you think Furt's table rating or placement, I should say, will be higher or lower than where it's at right now? 18th or higher, I I guess. I don't know how Furt climbs out of where they're at. They are stuck, I think. Mm -hmm. they're, They're 11 points out of the next position. They're not in that pack of of anything can happen craziness, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think they're stuck. I, I don't see how they recover after what they did in the first half of the season. What about Shugart? I think we're going to be up higher. Um, I have confidence that we can climb with people coming back, it, you know, hopefully when they come back. Yeah, yeah. I'll agree with you on both of those. I know I predicted 16th on the table, but if I was looking at it right now, I think, yeah, Shugart has a chance to get 15 or higher, whereas, uh, yeah, I think for – their job or their position on the table is basically to play um, spoiler for the rest of the yeah. year here. Yeah. And hopefully they spoil the other teams around us. Right. <laughs> I know. <So. laughs> Starting yeah, next week, pretty please. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, if, if we win, if we win uh, on Saturday and the other teams near the bottom don't, we jump all the way to like, what is it? We're in 16th now. ESPN mm-hmm. site doesn't throw numbers on the front. So I feel like that's a count here. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be in 12. Right. So it's, it's it's crazy. It's, it's absolutely nuts how much it can swing. So, yeah, yeah, just win games. One win. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Let's wrap up the podcast with what we usually wrap up with, which is what we learned. And there's been no matches in a while, so we haven't learned much from any of that stuff. But we did our report cards with everybody. And so what we learned was everybody's report card grade. So my my what we learned moment is uh, for you, is there anything you have in your background, you know, uh, when it comes to a report card or a grade or a mark that uh, you can share a little story with us that you know, we can learn a little bit about Rob and his story <laughs> with report cards. Well, I told you, I'll, I'll go the one I told you before we started recording. Uh, I don't remember what grade it was in, but I, I, I went to school at a really small school, 40 students in my class total, right? My graduating class. So not very big. Your choices for English were uh, English 9, English 10, English 11, and English 12, depending on what grade you were in. There were no other options. <laughs> couldn't do anything else, right? So uh, <laughs> after after my first semester of, of English, whatever that year was, uh, I was pulled aside by the teacher and asked to uh, try to stay awake in at least one class going forward because I it was my first class in the morning and I would get in and uh, pretty much just go right to sleep right away in class. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was told I had to, I had to stay awake in at least a couple of classes to continue to get an A in the class. And I was kind of grumpy about it. I was like, well, am I not doing my assignments correctly? Am I not passing the tests? You know, my wife actually passed. My wife didn't take his class because she just tested out of it because it was a notoriously boring, you know, not good class. It was American literature. I think was a theme of that, that class. Right. So yeah, it was one that was, she was, she wasn't too excited. Her parents weren't too excited about the teacher. There was no choice for a different teacher, right? Small school. <laughs> you literally take it with that guy. He has two sections of it. And uh, yeah, it was, you need to stay awake. <laughs> so, yep, that was my, that was these, my. Uh, these expectations are unrealistic. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's 8 a.m. I hate mornings. They're the worst. <laughs> I had, I, yeah, I've only got two. Uh, the one I told you before, but there, I remember this one. Um, oh, Thanks, hon. I'll edit that out. She, <laughs> she just gave me a compliment about something. Oh, um, nice. It wasn't a compliment. You, you can't <laughs> leave that in. <laughs> no. <laughs> my story was going to be the one of, I forgot about this one, and I'll go to high school as well, is uh, the, I had to take an art class for, you know, an elective or whatever it was to, sure, to graduate sure. and all that stuff. And Miss Kirkpatrick, who is our art teacher, I turned in some assignment, and she looked at me, she said, Travis, you are the worst art student 
I have ever had. She didn't, she didn't say it with irony. She didn't say it with meanness. You know, I, I passed the class. She appreciated the effort I put into it, but I would just turn in garbage and apologetically. So, and I, I always remember that moment as a, she was kind of like, Travis, I get it. This just isn't, this isn't for you. <laughs> Not for you. <laughs> this isn't for me. Let's just get, let's just make sure you don't sleep and get out of here. Like Rob. <laughs> Uh, my little brother had that same experience in college when he tried to take German. Ah. He, he, uh, I, I took Spanish in high school and I switched to German in, in college and, uh, and we, oh, it's not, it's not hard, Paul, you'll be fine. Tell my little brother to go, just go ahead and do it. I'll yeah. help you if you need any help. Blah, 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 right. And he's like, this is the most difficult thing I have ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks brother. Right. And he passed with like a D minus to basically give him a, a passing grade. <laughs> just get out because social professor felt bad for him he's like you can see your tribe but yeah it's not your thing so i'm similar to your art story <laughs> yeah well hopefully when all is said and done and we do our you know uh after match day 34 rook runda report cards the uh about b scores a little bit higher than a d minus <laughs> right on our on our end of season report card here so rob thanks so much for joining us today thanks so much for your no uh your insights on on this stuff and uh, hopefully we'll be watching the match with you on saturday and uh hopefully we start the uh, second half of the season on a on a positive note one can hope yep all right man hey <laughs> hope you get better hope your back feels better and uh, we'll talk to you next time yeah <laughs>